Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing conscious leaders who are living a life beat of their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your ability to lead and manifest your dreams in this reality. For anyone listening to this show, I imagine you are all passionate about being a go-getter and a high achiever. This being said, living life with these types of passions can create the slippery slope of understanding how to balance your desires in a way that allows your life to still have time left in it for you to develop your relationship to yourself. Today's guest on the show is someone who has been able to successfully explore his many desires while, simultaneously, still being able to develop his sense of self and enjoy the journey of life along the way which is one that is a journey of infinite process rather than finite outcomes. He is the deputy CEO of Smarter Not Harder, Inc., which is the parent company of Transcriptions and is passionate about working with organizations who seek to allow their employees to work smarter and be more productive in their work as a result. In addition, he is also the CEO of Health Optimization Practice Europe, which is a nonprofit, is the host of the Decoding Superman podcast, and is his own health optimization practice He specializes in working with entrepreneurs to leverage large swaths of data and health technology. He has worked with prestigious organizations such as TEDx Hotel School The Hague, Superfast Business, and The Third Wave, to name but a few, and is a juggernaut in the spaces of entrepreneurial health, health technology, and optimizing focus, productivity, and nootropics. For any of you entrepreneurs listening, This episode is sure to open your minds and hearts to what life can look like when you explore what increasing your ability to turn off can do for your ability to reach your full potential in your life as a whole. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming my man, Boomer Anderson, to the show. Boomer, my man, such a pleasure to have you here. Uh, Ryan, after that, I'm not sure how we can continue. I'm blushing, my friend. (laughs) You and I have had a couple of uh, conversations, and as I said before, those conversations have absolutely lit me up. So I'm really happy to be here with you today. Thank you so much, man. Likewise. And you know, it's really special. Every episode I do is really fun, but especially getting to talk to people who have such, you know, similar passions to mine, especially podcasting, right? I always say talking to other podcasters is so much fun because we Mm -hmm. get the flow of things, right? We can have a dialogue. We know how these things go. So I'm so excited to have you here, man. And, you know, I know I went into quite a bit of your journey in the intro, but you know, I'd love it in your own words to bring us through a little bit of your journey, like the high points. Of course, you have so many different areas you work in and you do for passions and your life as a whole. But I'd love if I could hear the boomer story of oh, how you got to where you are today. <laughs> uh, the boomer story of how I got to where I am today. This is, let's see, this could take up the whole show. But let's, uh, as you requested, I'll, I'll, I'll go for the highlights here. Um, it's funny because right now I'm at my parents' house and uh, it just kind of all begins with them, of course, right? Because mm. without them, there is no me. And I had this interesting dichotomy growing up where on one hand, my dad worked in, in finance doing all of the shit that nobody really wants to do. And then I had my mother who was at a time before I was born, she worked in the steel industry, but then she had this transformation and became a yoga teacher. Mm. And so I had these kind of, and you know, I know it's a little colloquial, probably a little bit corny, but I had this sort of East meets West upbringing in many ways. And so I grew up all around the United States and, you know, had 
the pleasure of doing things like competition barbecue from a very young age. Uh, so, you know, call it a little redneck hobby, but, you know, by the age of 16, I had won state barbecue championships at the adult level. I was also an athlete, you know, honorable mention, uh, academic All-American and lacrosse. Uh, but I had this acute interest in finance. And so, you know, you can stack my interests and I bring this up now because it's been sort of a consistent flow throughout my life. I had these unique interests starting at the age of 12 in finance when I traded my first stock, uh, which was crazy, right? At the age of 12, right? Uh, which by the way, the stock went down 50% like three days later. Um, <laughs> I, but you I still did it. <laughs> I still did it. And I'm very, very grateful that I lost half of my money in that, that period. I didn't sell, but it... Actually, when you lose money up front, it actually causes you to not be cocky. It causes you to realize that you had no fucking clue what you're doing. And then you kind of get into it a little bit more. On the health side, I mentioned I was an athlete and I had this like incredible interest in health from a very young age. And because of who my mother was, I knew the value of things like uh, pranayama breathing and just how it could switch your state almost instantaneously. So I, I have distinct memories of going through calculus exams and just simply doing like three breaths in, four in, four out. And then all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, I can focus and DV over DT actually means something to me. And then passport forward, I graduate from college and like anybody in 2008 who was interested in making a little bit of money, I went to Wall Street. Um, my first day on Wall Street was actually the day that <laughs> Lehman Brothers collapsed and filed for bankruptcy. AIG gets nationalized. And you know, all of a sudden, the job that I thought I had became something incredibly different. And so I ended up two years later getting sent to Singapore, where at an incredibly young age, I got left on Gilligan's Island, so to speak, by my former boss. And I ended up as this head of a financing desk at a bulge bracket investment bank. And you know, I'm like 26 fucking years old, right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> I didn't know, you know, I didn't know a lot of stuff, but because of the bank I worked at, they're like, okay, let's see if we give this kid a leash if he can hang himself. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then turns out I did okay. And so, you know, over the next couple of years, we went from uh, being ranked anywhere between number one or number two in what are called the league tables. And so that's just a way of ranking investment banks for the particular category of uh, what I was doing. Then, you know, during this time, again, because of that upbringing, I was able to connect the value of investing in my health and what it meant for my performance and work. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about working in finance, there's a lot of not so cool things that I'm sure we can get into. Uh, but the cool thing about working in finance is that I could calculate a return on health because whatever I invested in my health, I could see it at you know the end of the year and my year-end bonus. Fast forward a little bit. Uh, at the age of 30, I realized that I accomplished most of what I came to do on quote-unquote Wall Street. And I decided to you know, leave the investment banking industry. At that time, uh, everybody was building apps. So I thought I would build one as well. And I ended up uh, leaving investment banking, but I had to service my, um, essentially my leave period in order to get, you know, uh, effectively a bonus for leaving. Uh, but 
during that time, I went and found a doctor in Singapore. And, you know, I'm very, very grateful for meeting Stephen Tucker. And he's an incredible mentor to me in many ways, who helped me delve a little bit more into health beyond the annual physical. And so we started looking. So you take your like typical American annual physical, right? Like maybe you get at best like a cholesterol reading, you get just sort of tested on reaction time to see that your joints are okay temperature, whatever it is, weight. And they say, okay, you know, come back next year. And for me, I found this guy who allowed me to peek under the hood. And because I was leaving, he was like, Hey, do you want to just order every test that we can possibly order here within Singapore? Uh, One of those tests actually ended up being a cardiovascular exam um, called a cardiac CT scan for calcium. And so at that moment, I actually found out that I was, and I was 30 years old. This was very shortly after my 30th birthday. I found out that I had a heart condition and I'm like, well, fuck, this is not good. Uh, and here I was, I'd already resigned. I'm serving out this leave period and I'm going in a situation where I have a heart condition that uh, essentially 40% of people who contract something uh, that is you know, it's one of the leading preventable causes of death in the world. And so at that moment, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do here? And there was no doctor who could really give me a good answer. You know, I kept poking around to say like, okay, how do I unpack this situation? I have this particular heart issue. It's not cholesterol related. But nobody was really talking about things like lifestyle. Nobody was really giving me answers to things like genetics, metabolomics, et cetera. So I left the bank and actually uh, called on Audible uh, and decided to really start, you know, focusing on my own health first. That led me to a path where I ended up uh, going down and gaining a lot of interest uh, and knowledge in genetics eventually then got into other forms of health data. I'd been a longtime quantified self guy. And so I started leveraging these things to help myself, not only uh, prevent myself from dying, but also to help myself uh, live a better life and perform better. And during that time, a couple of things happened, right? Like I ended up getting contacted by former colleagues being like, this is interesting. We know you, Boomer. We know that you're super nerdy about this stuff. So, King, you do it for me. Mm. And I'm like, hmm, I can, but sign this waiver, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I also started saying like, hey, uh, and this is around the time when podcasts were really just becoming a thing. I started a podcast because I didn't want to pay for all these consults with people. And I wanted to talk to some of these thought leaders and creators of these technologies And that's really how the podcast got started. Mm. And so the podcast is funny enough. It eventually led to me meeting my now mentor. um, And we were scheduled to speak for 45 minutes. We spoke for three hours. And afterwards, uh, you know, I said to Ted, you know, hey, how do I learn from you? And I thought he was joking at the time, but he's like, why don't you just uh, come help us in the nonprofit? Uh, which is health optimization, medicine, and practice. And they're building out this framework, or they had the framework really, for how to teach doctors and practitioners how to optimize for health rather than treat disease. Mm. And it included looking at things like chronobiology, so your sleep-wake cycles, uh, exposomics, so your environment, metabolomics, the health of your cells, 
uh, looking at things like bioenergetics, the health of your mitochondria, evolutionary medicine. So maintaining that perspective of, hey, your body was built all the way from going back to uh, a marriage between an ancient bacteria and your mitochondria. And it's been built over generations and generations. And why do we neglect that? And, you know, actually that collection of organisms that you eventually become is called the holobiont. And so, you know, all of it made sense to me. And I was already trying to piece this together. You can actually go back to earlier podcasts of mine and you can see, like, I was trying to piece together this operating model of human performance because, yeah, I was a fucking finance nerd. So I wanted an operating model for it. And so, you know, Ted and I ended up meeting in London and then I went with him to the Philippines and we got to talking about not only home hope, but also transcriptions. And it turns out that, you know, my little experience in banking, plus my incredibly strong interest in health led to me being more involved in the parent company, Smarter Not Harder. Mm. So I kind of sit at this intersection going back to my interest when I was younger finance and health, and then to a certain extent, that competition barbecue stuff kind of converging. And that's really why I am who I am today and how I got there. But pretty crazy, huh? Dude, that's so amazing, man. You know, one of my favorite aspects, like you were saying, right, is getting to meet people, getting to hear their stories and getting to learn from them, right? Like, that's why I say to people, like, I have to pinch myself sometimes to remind myself that like, this is supposed to be quote unquote work or a job. And I don't ever use those terms, right? I changed those out a long time ago, right? Instead of working, I'm loving, loving on myself, loving on my business, right? I'm not working on anything anymore because work just has a weird connotation to it. And I think when you do what you love, right, which is something that everyone has the opportunity to do, yet it is not the easy path, right? It might be simple, right? You might know what you love, right? It might be simple, but yet it's not easy considering like the societal pressures and things like that and generational mm-hmm. things as well with parents telling us, you know, what they think is going to be best for us and things like Social that. Social cultural programming, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, everything is programming, you know, at the, at the root of it. And so one of the things I heard for you is that, you know, with your parents, you got the perfect mix of yin and yang. Mm-hmm. So that balance was instilled in you at an early age. And one of the questions I have for you, moving off of that and getting into, you know, some of the pains and challenges you went through is there's a concept that one of my mentors, Paul Check, talks about a lot, which is the pain teacher mm-hmm. and reframing pain as not a nuisance, but rather something you can learn from and something that is actually a teacher. And so I'm curious for you, like, what has been the role of the pain teacher in your life, right? Like, how have you been able to take those pains, like the heart condition, these challenges you've gone through and be able to transcend them? Because we know that not everyone who faces pain learns from it, right? So what do you think it is about you that allowed you to learn from that pain and see it as a challenge rather than a problem? So this is, uh, and I love the way you framed that question. Absolutely beautiful. So let me try and dissect this (laughs) on the fly. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure you get this a lot, but like that type of question is not the type of question you hear every day. So let's try and dissect this on the fly. Um, So for me, uh, I've always gravitated towards uh, the uncertain and things that scare me. Mm. And because for me, I look at it and it took me a while to reframe this, by the way, I look at it and say, there's a learning there. And so anything that scares me, there's a learning there. Uh, For instance, I I was, and still to a certain extent, do get nervous around this idea of public speaking. Like people actually find public speaking more terrifying than dying. And they would rather die than public speak. 
But to me, I'm like, fuck, I want to do that. And so I set out a goal and I went and, you know, did a series of public speeches and ended up with a TEDx talk, right? And so for me, there was a reframe there around uh, something I'm scared, I'm going to go do it. Now, you mentioned a couple of other things. So looking at it as a challenge, maybe not even necessarily to overcome, but how to hug it, love it, live with it, right? Anxiety has been a perpetual thing in my life. I think um, Ryan Reynolds described it as sort of Santa's little helper for him. And I think that's actually the case for me too, because I know, similar to what I said earlier, that where there's anxiety, where there's stress, there's a learning. And so now when I have moments where, you know, right now I have several companies that I'm running and several companies that I'm on the board of, I'm married. Um, (laughs) I travel a lot and you're also a son to aging parents. And so that comes with responsibilities as well. And so within all of that, one of the key switches that I've been able to flip is that, okay, the stress is actually a learning. And so what do I need? So the immediate, when I feel that cortisol spike, which uh, cortisol gets a little bit of a, a negative press. I, I think they need a new PR agent because it can be incredibly helpful yeah. in many in many ways. But when I get that cortisol spike, I'm like, okay, I have something to learn here. And so that's when you know the focus comes in. And cortisol actually helps with focus, by the way. Mm. Um, and so you know the cortisol comes in. And I'm like, okay, there's something to learn here. And then I'm able to reframe it. And so let's uh, let's just unpack one a little bit deeper. Um, the anxiety side of things. And one of the you know, if you kind of look at the definition of anxiety, so you have anxiety of depression, one's forward looking, one's backward looking, right? And, you know, I was the perpetual anxious person. I was a master at goal setting and achieving those goals. I mentioned earlier that I kind of went up the corporate ladder, so to speak, very, very quickly. And a lot of that was due to this goal setting mentality. Hey, goal, achieve, goal, achieve, goal, achieve. But... (laughs) You know, I lived in Singapore and I was traveling to all of these fantastic places. Like I went to 40 countries in four years. I've been to over 60 countries. I've dined at some of the finest restaurants in the world, stayed at some of the finest hotels. I was an absolutely miserable fucking twat. And like, (laughs) I just, towards the end of the, actually the last two years, and I also thank my wife for this because... Um, in many ways, she brought the idea of presence to my life. Like I was always forward-looking. And so I met this person on this dance floor in Bali. I'm like, oh, I want to spend time with her. I actually want to be with her. That requires me to be off my... <laughs> I had a BlackBerry background. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, and so that actually requires me to put down the BlackBerry and be present. And so then comes things like how to be present. And this is something that to this day, I continue to work on. But breath work comes in there. Uh, meditation for me still is the most profound thing. Sleep, of course, comes in there and how to optimize your circadian rhythms so that you're performing at your best every single day. And so if you kind of look at that singular goal of presence and that really taking away from the anxiety, I mean, hell, I can go on for minutes about all of the things that I've done to bring myself back to this moment here with you, Ryan, conversing. 
What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show. And I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom-branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever. It's magical for me because, you know, I think about this a lot with coaching, too, because coaching's like a, you know, it's it's not just a big thing now. It's been a big thing for a while, but, you know, it's almost seen as this like, wow, you know, like we had therapy and now we have coaching. And I say, that's a sign of how like off we become to natural human nature. Because what is more natural than like helping another human feel more safe, feel more excited, feel more inspired about their experience of being alive, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what coaching is. And so it's the same with meditation, with breath where it's like, wow, these brand new, sophisticated modalities. It's like, if you told this to someone in the indigenous culture, they'd be like, that's what you think is wild. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's just, it's really funny to me. And, you know, a couple of notes I took too was, you know, the whole concept of fear, because one of the things I specialize in is language work and story work, right? Reflipping, flipping the script on things. And, you know, a lot of what we talked about when it came to the pain teacher too. And so, you know, with fear, like, what do you feel it takes for someone to look at fear as facing everything and rising rather than forgetting everything and running? What does it take? I mean, again, Ryan, you hit me with such good questions. It's a Guilty so, as charged. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I, what so did it what take it you? Take? Put it that way. Yeah, no, I think we can try and extrapolate some things for mm. for people here, right? So motivation is somewhat of it's not really a four letter word. Obviously, I can I can spell a little bit better than that, but it's somewhat of a four letter word. And I think we live in a society that is, if you wanted to set yourself up with it, really, you can get hit with motivation all day long. Um, and motivation in many ways is masturbation. And so yes. then you have to go behind the motivation side. And this is kind of where I have this dissonance with quote unquote self-help because uh, a lot of self-help when you get into it initially 
hits you with that Instagram post that's designed to motivate you and blah, 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 right? But when you're starting to unpack motivation and rather than just get a rise out of you and actually want to do something, what do you actually need? Well, it could be something like that looks like purpose. It could be something that looks like uh, a goal. And I use that goal term somewhat uh, with a, a knowledge and awareness of my past, but I use it more effectively to get me up when I'm not feeling like 100%. And get me up when I'm not even operating at 60%. Like, What is that Northern light, so to speak, or North Star is probably the better analogy. Northern lights, <laughs> Northern lights, are, Aurora Borealis is, they are is really actually quite cool, a phenomenal. They're really fucking cool to look at. <laughs> Highly recommend Iceland, Finland for those, but uh, North Star is probably the right analogy here. And so, like, what's your guiding North Star? And so, spending some time and really dissecting what is your North Star that's going to allow you to, to get there. Because if you have that really strong point in the future, that you want to get. And for me, it was public speaking. And I wanted to become a master at public speaking. If I have that strong point in the future, well, it's going to carry me through the shit. Because the fact is, is that if you live in this dimension, as we're talking, um, if you want to do something that is profound, that is in some ways world-changing, and if you want to do something that is different out of the box against the grain, there's going to be a lot of shit that you're going to go through. And so having that North Star is certainly a way to do it. Accompanying yourself along the way with, uh, there's actually a few books by Napoleon Hill and um, he has Think and Grow Rich. And then uh, what I really like is the conversations that he has with a guy by the name of Andrew Carnegie. Mm. Um, Andrew Carnegie uh, started Carnegie Steel, but it also, um, he's a huge philanthropist, uh, Carnegie Mellon University, of course, Carnegie Hall in New York. Carnegie Steel eventually became U.S. Steel. And so, you know, when you look at those conversations, a couple of the things that really kept people going, uh, having a group of friends, not necessarily friends, but people that are kind of in your field have either tangential knowledge or knowledge that you seek to acquire to grow towards that North Star certainly helps. This is very popularized these days as masterminds, right? And so masterminds help a lot. Having a coach, I mean, I know you spend time coaching. I coach a select few people, right? These are entrepreneurs that are really, really at the top of their game. And I'm really just taking them from 90 to 100 or 120, right? Mm -hmm. And having a coach or the way I was, I was talking to a former NFL player today and he uh, we were just chatting. I was like, what's the value of uh, explaining the value of a coach? And I'm like, think of it as your left tackle, right? And if you're a right-handed quarterback, your left tackle protects your blind side. And so I am of the belief that I don't know what I don't know. And I need somebody to keep out for my blind sides. And so having that coach there to really just say like, hey, fear, this is just a fear. It's not reality. And having that coach, having that mastermind, and then when it comes to uh, unpacking fear, what I like to do is look underneath the surface, right? And when it comes to look underneath the surface or behind the veil of fear, one of the best things that I like to dive into a lot, because I'm a little bit of a spreadsheet nerd, is data. And so looking at the data and saying, okay, is this really, is this just a fear thing or is this reality? 
And from data, you can calculate probabilities. And usually what you find is that it's really a small thing that you don't need to worry about too much. You know, that makes perfect sense, man. And, you know, what I think about it for me is one of the things I love doing is cold exposure, right? And I have a group that I do here talking about masterminds and people you want to spend time with, right? Finding Mm -hmm. tribe is huge. I think that's you hit the nail on the head with that. And here in Boston, I have this group called Ice and Iron, right? They're my mm-hmm. best buddies made it. And uh, it started Beautiful out as brand names. Name. Oh, I love the name, man. So You're cool. Fucking killer with names. <laughs> it's awesome, dude. And and it started out as a men's thing and now it's unisex. And so we do it all year, right? So you know Boston in January, right? The last uh, thing you want to do is we were back. talking about this yesterday, right? <laughs> I know, like, I Boston know. in January is <laughs> it's almost like Chicago in January. Two it beautiful is. cities, but either it's a polar vortex or there's no way in hell i'm getting out of logan airport and so 100 dude yeah man so it's, ice baths in january yeah it's so funny man because when we're in these groups right and we do like the way that they'll do them is we go out we do tai chi then we'll like you know hit some exercise stuff outside they got the rock stacking stuff they're all you know check practitioners so of course we got the rock stack we got the tire flipping we got the punching bag we got i bring the stick mobility sticks because sunday's usually my day off working out so i just you know mm-hmm. mobilize and then mm-hmm. we go inside and we rock about 40 minutes of breath work. I would say the closest style it's related to is holotropic, right? So mm-hmm. by the time you get outside, you're pretty sympathetically activated. You're ready for like, you know, you're ready for war, right? Quote unquote. Yep. And you're ready for action, put it that way. And so at first it was, it was, there was fear there, right? For me, right? And I do cold showers, but a nice bath, especially outside in January. Like the second you walk outside in a bathing suit in January, your body's like, what the hell are you doing up there? Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, you get like this, you almost get this tattoo on your body. That's like, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> yes. It's like, is there an apocalypse about to happen? Like, why are you outside in shorts right now? And so, mm-hmm. you know, you get in there, but the second you get in there, right. And I would say about 30 seconds after you get in there, right that you realize what that fear is meant for, right? And this applies to really any situation I've felt fear through my life, public speaking, anything, right? Where public speaking, it usually happens after I get off the stage, right? Mm-hmm. And and what happens is the sec, it's almost like fear is, is your best friend because it's the part of you that's willing to challenge you to actually mm-hmm. ask and to actually make you reinstate what you believe about yourself, right? So mm-hmm. with the ice bath, it's like, oh my God, this is scary. I don't know. And then if you side with that, then yeah, it's going to be scary. You don't know. Maybe you don't do it, right? But if you decide to push forward anyway, right? And you decide to go into the unknown, then what Mm -hmm. happens is the second you get out, that fear is like, see what I told you? You reinstated what you believed about yourself. You told yourself you can do it. And what did you learn? And it's almost like your pocket coat in a way, right? This is how I look at shadow work and all of these things that are, you know, kind of scary, quote unquote. And what I've learned is that those are the parts of myself that are really fighting for my development, right? Because they're Mm -hmm. the only parts of me willing to beat me down or attempt to beat me down to -hmm. allow me to grow. And I think that's like, you know, one of the main reasons I love asking that question about fear, because for really successful people, I know fear is a huge part of that. But what I found time after time is that what separates highly successful people from people that aren't successful is the ability to notice the fear and move forward anyways. I think that's yeah. a huge part of it, you know? I completely agree, right? And this is, again, just going back to the things that we talked about, this is where that coach to augment that, the mastermind group, those things, you can almost establish an informal mastermind with yourself, mm-hmm. uh, with yourself and like a few friends who are in tangential interest, industries. And just having those voices, those people to talk to when you have an issue. And again, I work with entrepreneurs because I am an entrepreneur. Mm. And there are often times where if you're the head of a business, you can't necessarily tell everybody like, Hey, 
know, we may not make payroll this year or this month. And who can you talk to? And so just making sure, and some people describe this as like having your own personal board of directors or your personal board of advisors, which I have for sure. And that can go across many different domains. That's financial, that's health, certainly. Uh, But having that person that you can turn to and really just have an open discussion to uncover whether or not the fear is warranted uh, or whether or not um, the fear causes you. And certain times it will cause you to divert another way and it's warranted, right? Like Mm -hmm. you probably don't want to go. I was just hiking here in Asheville. We're in the Blue Ridge Mountains and there's bears outside, right? Yeah. I probably don't want to go straight through that path if there's a fucking bear right there because, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, maybe I, I would stand okay. Maybe not. I'm not sure the bear knows jujitsu, but I'm not sure I'm going to get to a jujitsu kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's helpful to have that external party to really help you uh, just kind of double check whether or not that fear is warranted. Yeah. And, you know, I really love fear at this point because you know what fear reminds me of? It reminds me that I'm alive. Yeah. It reminds me that I'm still in this world, right? That there's still things that, you know, because again, like what I choose to believe is that when we leave this world, right? I've had experiences that I'm sure we'll get into in the next, you know, podcast we do. But, you know, I've had some experiences where I've experienced what I believe to be the afterlife. And, you know, everything is perfect there. And so I'm in this realm for the messiness, for the fear for the ups and downs, for all of it. And Mm -hmm. the idea is finding the balance within it. You know, one of the things that I think about a lot when it comes to this is the idea of the comfort zone that, Mm -hmm. you know, everything great lives right outside your comfort zone. And I'm curious for you, knowing you've had massive success and knowing you continue to find balance within that. For me, what I found is that there's really this relationship with my comfort zone where I want to be just outside of it, but not too far outside of it. Because if I get too far outside of it, it's almost like, I'm paralyzed. What are some of the ways in which you ensure, like, what are some of the feelings you look for, the thoughts? Like, what are some, you know, knowing that you're into health and you, you know, track all these types of things, what are some of the ways in which you know, like, okay, I'm just outside of my comfort zone, but I'm not too far out of it? Because again, like, if you get too far out of it, you're going to stall your development. At least that's what I've experienced, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and again, there might be the argument for every once in a while doing that. But what I found is that sustainability equals being able to, live just outside of your comfort zone and then have times you're actually going back in and you're finding comfort again and then going just outside of it and you're slowly growing it, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint type thing. So I'm curious, like, what are some of the ways you know you're just outside that comfort zone, but you're not so far out of it that it's not sustainable? Yeah, uh, fascinating topic. And, Mm. um, you know, I spend, because of, again, my board of advisors, I spend a decent amount of time learning about complex adaptive systems, right? and chaos theory, mm. mainly because it interests me. And I can't quite <laughs> figure out if there's, there's something there because it, it encompasses everything, but it's also uh, basically the study of uncertainty. And you know, as a person who grew up taking a lot of economic classes, you always look for this idea of equilibrium. Mm. And with, with chaos and with complex adaptive systems, there are certain cases where it's just like, okay, well, what if there's no equilibrium? What does that look like? Mm. Pretty interesting conversation to start. But, yeah. you know, within there's a book out there called Complexity. I think that's what it's called. And it's basically the history of the Santa Fe Institute, um, which is a phenomenal place that uh, gives people a little bit of an intro. You can go on their website, get an introduction to complex adaptive systems. But when you look at um, one of the things that comes up in that book is the idea that the edge of chaos is where all the interesting shit happens. Mm. And so for me, like I want to be where all the interesting shit happens. 
but what are sort of the signs that, um, for me, again, what are sort of the signs that look, uh, make it look like I'm on that edge? First, uh, there's some sort of hesitation for me uh, because I'm, as you kind of may have told by my intro story, I'm a little bit of a bull in the china shop guy. Like I want to go forward, go, 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 go. Uh, now go forward with presence, but I would like to go forward. And if there's some sort of hesitation, it's usually because what I'm trying to do is a little bit beyond my current abilities. Those abilities could be health-wise. It could be, for instance, a couple of years back, I did a powerlifting competition because I had this inner egoic uh, you know, story where I'm like, hey, you know, in high school, you couldn't bench above 200 pounds and let's see if we can break through that. Right. Mm. And so, you know, you get to that. I'm like, oh, that's scary. So there's a stimulus there that before, if I was going above 200 pounds, I would just drop the bar on my, you know, collarbone and potentially break it. (laughs) And so there's a little bit of a hesitation. So that to me is like a little bit, uh, that's when that spark goes off and you're like, oh shit, maybe there's something here. Uh, physiologically, you can look at skin conductance and just see that body temperature tends to rise. You can look at um, breath and sort of uh, your breath per, per minute, you know, and we're in conversation right now. So breath per minute is certainly going to change. But if mm-hmm. I'm above 10 breaths per minute, I'm usually looking at something that's slightly more sympathetic. And so that causes me to pay attention a little bit more. If I start breathing in and out of my mouth instead of my nose, I'm paying attention to that a little bit more. Again, this is kind of evolutionary, right? Like you typically breathe in and out of your nose. And then when you have sympathetic activation, because the lion's chasing you, you breathe in and out of your mouth. And so that's some of the things I look at from a physiologic perspective about living on that edge of chaos or, you know, that edge, so to speak. You can also look at some biometrics. So let's say for instance, And depending on where you are in your health journey, you may be at the state where, like I was before, well, to a certain extent, like I was, not necessarily aware of your body. You're not aware of those signs. And so this is where quantified self can be very helpful. And so there's a, a, there's a biomarker called uh, heart rate variability. And so heart rate variability is the distance between heartbeats, essentially. And in a person who has strong vagal tone, meaning that they have a very healthy uh, sympathetic, or sorry, sympathetic and parasympathetic balance, there is a large amount of variability. Now, when heart rate variability declines and becomes more almost like a metronome, you can end up in a state where you're more sympathetically driven. And that to me is also a warning, but or it's actually a flag. I shouldn't call it a warning sign. Mm. You know, this is actually a good point about semantics here in language, right? If you flip the, the language, you flip the story. And so this is when I immediately am like, okay, there's something here. Now, how do I separate something here from, oh shit, this is way too much. Because there's a, a point where it's just out of your reach where you can induce flow state. Mm. If I know, and I'm a person who, when I approach these states, I'll start to look at things like time tracking 
I'll start to look at distraction. I'll start to look at what it takes for me to get into that flow state. And if those aren't reachable by my normal means, meaning um, if I do something like the Pomodoro technique, uh, which is basically interval uh, training for work, and I sit in Pomodoros and I'm like 10 tabs open, New York Times, I'm trying to avoid something. If there's almost an avoidance posture and it's not because if there's an avoidance posture and I am really, really hesitant, I'll go to that board of advisors. And then it comes to the point where like, do I actually know what I need to get done? Mm. And if I haven't broken that down yet, then it becomes very clear to me that I'm kind of in this quicksand situation. And this is where coming, bringing this conversation back for loop is where the coach comes in, where the board of advisors comes in, and where people can really help pull you out of that quicksand, help you identify what you need to get there. Because even if it is far away, well, what are the baby steps and micro habits that you need today in order to access that point tomorrow? And this is, again, where that mastermind, where that coach, where that community really helps you just get there. And the data helps bring an awareness to all of it as well. What's up, ladies and gents? I wanted to take a second while I had your ear to share with all of you a very important announcement. Anyone who has been listening to the show for some time now knows that I am passionate about coaching and helping other coaches up-level their coaching practice. What I have noticed in working with hundreds of coaches is that coaches of all different types are facing challenges with being able to get their clients strong, consistent results, understand where to put their energy to allow their practices to thrive, stand out in the vastity of coaches, move from imposter syndrome into trusting themselves, and ultimately make the money necessary to be financially independent in their coaching practice. The root of these issues comes down to a lack of connection with your creative force as a coach and entrepreneur. This is why we at Highly Optimized have created the Connect with Cannabis 10-week coaching certification program. The reason that cannabis is the focus of our program is because cannabis acts as imagination medicine. And in order to break free of these challenges, you must first be able to imagine yourself as the coach that is successful and has been able to break free of these challenges. When you are able to truly imagine and connect with the most powerful version of yourself, you can find the clarity to build your business, your authentic voice to speak directly to your clients, and the faith that you can overcome everything standing in your way. Once you have experienced and learned how to achieve these results for yourself, you will be able to offer this same unique skill set in your coaching practice to support your clients in overcoming their limiting beliefs and allow them to experience the breakthrough results that will make you stand out as the world-class coach you are. In this program, you will learn the science behind cannabis, how to experience the healing powers of cannabis, and how to facilitate these healing powers with your clients. With personalized one-on-one support on how to apply these frameworks into your business and weekly group calls within a community of coaches just like you, you will be equipped with a unique skill set that will allow you to get consistent, powerful results with your clients, feel confident in your coaching abilities, and allow you to gain financial independence while having the opportunity to wake up each day excited to share your important work with the world. For anyone listening who is hearing the call to set yourself apart and develop a unique set of coaching skills not found anywhere else in the world, jump over to the link in our Instagram bio and book a complimentary call with me today. 
Together, we will go over your current challenges in your business, your goals for your business, and decide together whether you qualify for a seat in the program. The next class begins April 20th, and spots are filling up quickly to be a part of the budding movement that is cannabis coaching. So book your call today and position yourself as a leading voice of how to work with this sacred plant medicine in your practice. Thank you all for your continued support and enjoy the show. Yeah, you know, I think it's exactly what you said uh, last there too. Like this is what I believe intellect is meant for, right? So many people overtrain their intellect. And I think intellect is meant to be in direct alignment with experience so that, you know, intellect, the whole idea of it and with data and all these things is so you can go, oh, now I know what like say a theta brainwave state feels like or an alpha brainwave state, right? But it's not meant to be the only thing. And I love that you brought up the gym, right? Because I relate pretty much my entire life to a training session, right? Where like, it's like, okay, I lift heavy three days a week. I know what my macros are going to be those days. I don't stress out over it, but I have an idea of what I need to get to, right? I know that like, okay, if I'm going to push it next week, there needs to be a yin after that, right? I need to have my deload weeks and things like that. And also, if I'm walking up to a bar of a new PR that I've never done before, I'm going to have that hesitation, right? I'm going to have that little bit of fear, but it's going to be just outside my comfort zone. Now, if I go from like, say, 350 to uh, 550 and try to do that, that's way outside, right? That's way out of my comfort zone. It's not sustainable. It's it's, you're just going to injure yourself. And so I think like, you can learn a lot from the gym specifically. And that's why that's one of my favorite aspects of fitness is not only like the health benefits and, you know, obviously the physiological benefits and all of these things, but really it's a, it's a training ground for life, you know? And so I love that you brought that up. And, you know, one of the things that I'm curious on that I imagine every entrepreneur listening to this is curious on too, and this is going to be, this might open up a rabbit hole, right? So I'm aware. (laughs) I I love, I love rabbit holes. (laughs) But I'm curious for you in your life, like what have you found like, creates happiness, right? Because again, like what I choose to believe, and this has gone through a lot of different Eastern, you know, philosophies in the mystery school we were talking about yesterday and everything is that happiness is our baseline yet happiness is also, or pleasure rather brings us away from happiness. And yet our world right now, especially in Western cultures is so, you know, dependent on quick pleasures, right? Quick dopamine hits, quick things like that. And I've noticed in my own life, this is how I started getting into this. And so I'm curious for you, like, what have you found creates happiness in life, right? Because I know you mentioned, you know, that like, hey, you were go, go, go. Then you met your wife and she had to be more, you had to be more present. And so like, mm-hmm. I'm curious what you've learned about happiness, man. Because I imagine every entrepreneur is wondering like, when am I going to get to be happy? And putting it outside <laughs> of them and not realizing it's already in them, but maybe they have to unlock it. I'm just curious what you would say there. Uh, look, you, you basically answered your own question, but let's, <laughs> let's start with just kind of how I view happiness is for me, happiness is this equanimous state. So I'm sitting here, I'm conversing with you. I'm enjoying this conversation. I'm probably trying to figure out what, you know, I'm going to say next, but other than that, we're sitting here together and I prefer to uh, call my life a state of dynamic equanimity, which means that I can go out, I can do what I need to do in the world in order to make money to live in order to build the things that I want that can make the most impact on people, but I can come back to that state of calm. You know, the analogy that I always like to go to is an ocean, right? And so you're a Boston guy. So let's Mm -hmm. try and let's try and pick apart the perfect storm, right? And so (laughs) 
you know, Mark Wahlberg, I know this is a true story, right? But like Mark Wahlberg and company go out into the ocean and there's this moment where they catch, I think it was tuna. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, they catch a shitload of tuna and the, the waves are quite calm. And so for me, happiness is that state of calm. It's not the, uh, the extreme peaks followed by the extreme drops. It's more for me, like, how do I keep those waves minimal? Uh, so that I can come back to that state. For me, happiness is presence. It's being here in this conversation. It's being with my wife and sitting there and not really worrying about those messages coming in because I know the rest of it is going to take care of itself, right? Because once you get to a certain state where you're smart, you're capable, you're really just kind of on a path, it's just consistency. And so for me on that path with consistency and presence is where I want to be. And so um, happiness is an internal job. It's not external. And I, for incredibly long time, and I still catch myself, like I'm not perfect, right? Like I I don't want to paint myself as perfect, but I still catch myself at times going back to, you know, 26 year old or even earlier boomer that's like okay i want to grab that car well i'm not i don't have a car since i was uh, 18 but <laughs> you know a car is a bad example but like <laughs> let's say that house that particular item of clothing that gadget uh technology is more my kind of uh vice if you will mm-hmm. and so you know going into those states and recognizing them and being aware of them is a much more powerful state for me than being at sort of the mercy of an army of neuroscientists designed to pull you into vortexes wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And so you know, you're facing with a huge challenge. And so anybody listening to this, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, I would just encourage you to go internal, um, whether that be through the use of breathwork, meditation, um, psychedelics, whatever it is, psychedelics under proper supervision, of course. Mm-hmm try and find what that means to you. And it's likely going to be an internal journey. Mm, I love that, man. That's the exact answer I was hoping for, because that's my best guess at this point. Right. So I was like, I hope Boomer has yeah. the same guess as I do. Right. Because yeah, I mean, it is, it is, you're right. It is a guess. And yeah. so for some people, and I have, I haven't really met anybody who has an external validation. I haven't met anybody who, who has that sort of addiction to finding happiness externally, who is actually happy. Because if you think about it, and I'm in the US now, which usually means that I buy some stuff because it's 30 to 50% cheaper, right? Mm -hmm. There's a dopamine hit when that arrives in Amazon. And I open it up. And then five minutes later, I'm like, "Ah, next thing, right? (laughs) Um, And so being overly reliant on uh, dopamine or dopamine addiction is not the place that I choose to be. And so uh, for me, again, I haven't met anybody who's very, very happy with seek, or seeks out external happiness and is happy. And so when you kind of look around you and see that, realize, or at least I realize that happiness is an internal job. Yeah. You know, the analogy just came to me, the universe loves to speak to me in analogies. And so the one that just came to me is it's, it's not the house you buy, it's what you do in it, right? So, <laughs> so long as you realize like, hey, there's going to be a fun dopamine hit, right? When I buy a house and that's cool, right? But as long as I realize it's not going to last, 
And it's what I do in that house that actually will create potentially happiness, right? The people I have there, the meditations I do there, right? The breath work I do there, the gardening I do out there, the lake that I swim in, things like that, right? That's how I like to think about anything when it comes to life. Like, hey, buying the guitar, for instance, right? Because I'm a guitar player. That will be a moment of like rented happiness, right? And I always yeah. say like money can't buy happiness, but it does rent the shit out of it, right? Yeah, and it's of like, course. yeah, my dad's favorite quote. And, um, and it really rang true because, you know, my dad was someone who, for instance, like he loved classic cars, but he also realized like, okay, I buy the classic car. But for so many people, like they'll buy these cars and they put them in their garage and that's fine. No judgment, right? My yeah. dad was always like, I'm going to go let this thing out and have fun. And if it gets scratched, I don't care because it's going to be a memory. Mm-hmm. And so like looking at like, you know, what in your life are you buying and why are you buying it? Right. Or, or what are you doing in work? Right. What are you doing? What are you doing it for? And I think it goes back to what we were talking about quite a while back about the why, right? Like what is the why behind it? Right. So long, mm-hmm. like, that's what I say about cannabis, right? When people are interacting with cannabis, I say, Hey, you know, it's not that you can't use cannabis daily. It's not that you have to take months off. It's not that you can never use it. Right. But what is your why for it? Because mm-hmm. if you understand a why, even if it's something as simple as I'm looking for, I have, I'm curious about something. It doesn't have to be profound. But if you actually think about your reason, your why, your intention, it's going to allow something to open up for you. And that is where I also feel happiness comes from. Because when you open up, you realize a part of yourself that maybe you've yet to explore yet. And this gets into shadow work again and stuff too. And yeah. so, you know, I really love this idea of happiness being this equanimous, you know, state that we're in. But at the same time, being in the modern day world, we get distracted, right? And that's okay as long as we become conscious of it and go, oh, there's me yeah. getting distracted again. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need these things. I might want them, right? And it's fine to want things. But I think, you know, my own experience and with people I work with too, especially entrepreneurs, you know, because that's who mostly listens to this part this show. But when they get in trouble is thinking like, I need to get more money or I need to have more clients or I need XYZ to be happy, right? If this, mm-hmm. then that. And that's just a thirst trap, right? You get stuck there real easily. <laughs> yeah, amen, brother. It's yeah. um, very, very well said. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that, that we've been chatting around this entire time too is the idea of stress, right? And we talked about this mm-hmm. a little bit too, where stress like fear can be one of those things that we see as, I go back to the gym analogy again, right? Where it's like, so many people love the gym, right? But they don't like when they get stressed out of work, right? But it's like, well, mm-hmm. do you understand that what you're doing in the gym is also stressing your body out? And mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of like controlled stress if you're doing it, quote unquote, correctly, because otherwise you'll just burn out. But I think like, if I could sum this whole episode up and what we talked about, it's really life is what you make it, right? Like life is yeah. a combination of what you make it. And if you remember that you are in control of how you respond to things and how you choose to view things, then really we can find that balance, you know, as the Tao Te Ching talks about, right? You know, this, for instance, buying something, you get a super high, then five minutes later, you get a super crash of like, ah, that's not what I thought. But if you find the balance of like, yeah, I like this and, you know, guitar, for instance, I'm cool, I'll buy it, but I'm not looking for happiness out of it. I'm looking to play the instrument. And I think that's, you know, really, if I could sum it up, what, you know, I really feel the whole sauce to life is, right? Is finding that pendulum balance. Because if you can, and it's, it's much easier said than done. Right. And I imagine just like you said, you know, I know that I go through it too, where I notice myself going through these things, but you know, if you can find the awareness in life and also be able to find that balance, I think awareness and balance make up a high quality of life. So as I figured it out at this point, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to kind of dovetail on what you just said, or piggyback, mm. uh, everything that we've talked about here, uh, has revolved around this discussion of awareness and mm. it, like, regardless of 
like I, at the end of the day, I don't care if somebody, you know, a lot of the guys that I talk to, they've got significant means. And so they end up buying a ton of technologies and gadgets. And they always ask me, you know, what do you think about this? And my first question is always like, we try to unpack, are you aware of what you're buying and why you're buying it? And there's, if you really go into that, why, and you really become aware, then go ahead and buy it. But I don't want to feed a systemic dopamine dopamine addiction, right? Mm -hmm. And so as you go through this, taking three deep breaths before you buy something, do something kind of brings you back to that state of, you know, awareness and damn, it's a good place to be. Dude, it's the best, man. You know what I call it is vacation vibration. And that's like the state that I love being in because what is the state of vibration? I mean, vacation rather. It's that state of relaxation. It's that state of being aware. It's that state of allowing the inner child to come out. It's it's really what I would surmise is balance, right? Now, again, mm-hmm. some people might have different types of vacations and I totally get that. But like the the pivotal vacation moment, right? Where you're on the beach and you're reading your book and you're like, wow, I can't believe it's like five o'clock already, right? Mm-hmm. And time is just, you know, of the essence. I mean, time doesn't exist rather. And those kind of things, I think, are the special moments in life. And really what it takes is awareness, balance. And if you have those things, then you're never going to be blindsided, you know, with things, yeah. right? And that's, that's, I think, the whole idea, you know, and that's exactly what I say with cannabis, right? Is if you're aware of like, for instance, if you go to reach for that thing, that bowl, that whatever, right? And then you actually pattern interrupt yourself to ask, why am I going for this? And you realize, oh, I've had a really stressful day and I'm looking to run away. Well, then it's up to you becoming conscious in that to maybe not run away or If you're still looking to use cannabis to go, I want to see what I'm fearing right now. And that can be Mm -hmm. scary for a lot of people, right? Like this, this type of stuff can be scary. But at the same time, you know, I've realized that like we talked about fear and everything, stepping into the things you fear allows you to discover parts of yourself that you're yet to reclaim into your wholeness. And when you do that, you realize that all of life is a fun game, right? And you're infinite and you get to, you get to do this, right? You get to play this game. And it's so fun. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, to the extent you can get there. And I know if you're somebody who's struggling to make ends meet, it's very hard to realize that it is a game. But if you can start to view life as a chessboard and just sort of moving the pieces around, it's a beautiful thing. And so, yeah, man. fantastic. I love it, man. So where can people find you to connect with the Boomer? Because I imagine people are going to hear this and be like, holy crap, I need some of Boomer's medicine. So where can people find you? <laughs> uh, so a lot of what I do can be captured in the podcast. Um, and if you're looking for just me, Decoding Superhuman is the name of the podcast. You can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Um, LinkedIn is Boomer Anderson, my name. But if you're looking for some of the stuff I do professionally, uh, whether it's the nonprofit and helping doctors and practitioners how to optimize for health rather than treat disease, that's homehope.org or the products that we produce, transcriptions. Beautiful. And I got one last question for my man. Oh, that question is this. If someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their life, what would Boomer Anderson suggest that change be? Measure. Mm. And the reason why I say that is no matter where you are on the spectrum or continuum of health, of performance, uh, there's likely a period of due diligence that you need to do almost as soon as right now on yourself. You know, are you achieving the goals that you want? Are you sleeping the way you want? Do you look at yourself in the mirror with disgust? Are you aware of your conversations with your spouse, with your kids, whoever it is? 
And a lot of that starts with measurement. Um, you can start at a biochemical level like I do and start to look at your metabolomics and really understand what your cells need from a nutrient perspective. And that kind of goes back to how we started this conversation, which is I want to look at really, uh, for me, the unit of selection that I need to optimize is the cell because it's the smallest thing that I can measure at this moment. And so if I can optimize a cell in my cells performance in my body, the fractal then takes over, right? And so then I become more aware, more present, but all of that, everything I just said, just starts with measurement. I love it, man. And it's so true, man. You know, like no matter where you're at, you can measure something and, yeah. and it's a process, right? Like when I first started measuring, it was like measuring my weight, right? And measuring my height, right? And when we're kids, that's what we're doing, well, right? Did I sleep like shit last night? Yeah, yes exactly. No. Put yeah. it into the spreadsheet. Yeah, exactly. And why did I sleep like shit? Oh, I was out late doing this. Okay, cool. Or like that's basically how, if you want to get the nitty gritty of it, over the course of a couple of years, I went from drinking a lot, you know, in the banking industry to really significantly cutting it down. And it all started with just a simple Y or N answer every morning into a spreadsheet. Beautiful, man. I will take a nail on the head for 500, please. (laughs) 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 Okay, guys. When I first met Boomer, we immediately hit it off. I was amazed at how calm, cool, and collected he was for how many aspects his life has within it. And as an entrepreneur myself, I am fascinated by individuals like Boomer that can not just talk about working smarter rather than harder but can embody that notion into their being. If there is one thing I have learned in my entrepreneurial journey is that your on has no power until you learn to turn off and working smarter rather than harder is the special sauce to that equation. For anyone looking to learn from Boomer and increase the amount of space in their lives to be able to spend more time doing the things you love in life separate from your work, make sure you check out the show notes where I will be listing where you can find him and stay up to date on everything he is creating in the world. As I promise you when I say that although he has done so much in his life, he is only just beginning in the impact he is going to create in the world. Boomer, thank you so much for sharing your time and wisdom with the listeners and me today for tackling one of the biggest issues in today's world, which is the quote unquote grind culture, and for being a bright light of inspiration for the world to gain energy from. And until next time, my friend, journey well, be well. Much love over to you. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com 
so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom-branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.